Welcome to episode 383 of the Doctor of Day, the Doctor Who podcast. My name is David, and I'm here with my wife, Ginger. Hello. And we're episode 4 of The Armageddon Factor. <laughs> we'll see. Marshall's still on his way to Zeos. Um, so we kind of, instead of having a reprise of uh, Cliffhanger, it's almost like we're getting some information before the cliffhanger happened that we didn't see before. Because the doctor is there, everyone's in the control room with Mentalis, and the doctor is kind of doing a little sum up of everything. He says, okay, Mentalis won't tell us about Astra. It tells us that it's set for obliteration of everything. Um, but it can tell us that a marshal is planning, the marshal is planning to attack. But it's programmed now that the war is over so that it won't defend itself. And he says it's a fault of the military mind. And he calls it the Big Boy Armageddon Factor. So we get our title, which uh, we don't often get in the Key to Time uh, series. A, a mention of the title. Of the title. Hmm. I don't think. We should talk about that. I think you're wrong. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, there's one I could, I, other one I can think of. Um, the master, the master, the marshal says, "Faster, man, faster!" Get to the to his target. The doctor says to Shaps, "It didn't ever occur to you that this war was just put on for an evil spectator." And Romani says, ah, the third force. And the doctor says, yes, I think I've met him. I believe he calls himself the Shadow. So the Shadow comes back into his dungeon area, cavern area, and his two of his guards release Astra from her shackles and he puts one of the little devices on her neck and then talks to her and gives her instructions and says, you will, you know, do as I tell you in this and and tells her she's going to meet her lover and so she smiles the doctor is going to try and neutralize and dismantle Mentalis he tells Shap to go back uh, to the control room on Atrus and try to contact the marshal um, tell him to disengage he wants Merrick to also go back uh, because his, he belongs with his patients. So they're heading off to the transmat, and Merrick hears Astra calling him. Shap tells him to hurry up, don't lag behind, and Shap gets to the transmat and is startled and frightened by uh, a guard, a shadow guard, and then shoots at it. and falls backwards and falls into the transmat point and it flashes and takes him back to, to Atreus. Uh, Merak searches some more and calls out for Astra as she calls out back to him and he finds her and it turns out to be an image of Astra that just floats right through him, tricks him and he falls down this tunnel of nothingness and he falls anxiously. The doctor gets close to the machine panel and the little um, 
called Gens, the, the ray guns on the fixed to the wall, um, swivel his way and he asks K9, Are you sure this is okay? And K9 says, Yes, it does not feel threatened. And uh, Romano asks about, Well, where is, if we, Shadow's taken Astra, where could he have taken it? taken her, not on Zeos, there's no Zeons on Zeus, Zeos, um, and then she says, oh, what about between, and, uh, so she suggests a third planet that the Shadow has all to himself, and the Doctor thinks is a brilliant idea. He then manages to remove one of the panels of Mentalis's base, and as some lot of computer bits Bleeps and noises happen and lights flash and um, K9 says, oh, well now it's entered the self-destruct zone. The self-destruct system's been activated now. Marshall gets in farther into range to Zeos. He tells him to arm the warheads. Doctor uh, has a plan and he, he kneels down close to the handle of Mentalis and the little ray guns on the wall aim towards him and shoot across and they all, or two or three of them, end up attacking and destroying Mentalis. It's a burnt heap of crystal and metal and filaments it looks like. K9 can't read the date. We can't read it because of all the damage that was just done. So the doctor says, well, that's it then. It's just clicking itself to oblivion. And they remember, oh, the TARDIS. They should go. So they run off as the marshal comes even closer. Inside the TARDIS, the doctor has gone into the back and he's put the five segments together and then they take the tracer and link them together with it and they just kind of look at it and wait. So, well, I was hoping of the five of the six that we might get some partial power out of this, but I guess Guardian technology doesn't work that way. But Romana points, uh, no, the doctor points out to Romana that, see the, this space here, it's the shape of the sixth segment. We could make one. He goes off into his workshop. Meanwhile, Shap is trying to reach Marshall and radioing in urgently that he needs to, to uh, answer. And the Marshall orders the radio turned off. And he tells his, his pilot to get as close as he dares. So the doctor's segment um, he has made is for composite material. And uh, K9 says it is partially compatible on a 77% compatible, so it will create a stasis field. Um, so they, they fit it into place and lock the tracer in, and nothing happens. And Romana says, Oh, we failed. And the doctor says, Have we? And takes off his sports apron, and next we see is the marshal um, giving the order to fire, and then the pilot's hand moving over to the to the red button to fire and then the same happens over and over and over and uh, 
you'll see the timer in the mentalysis control room on one of the screen panels is counting down 10, 9, 8, and it starts over at 10, 9, and they determine that they have a three second time loop. The doctor thinks is kind of got a little taken aback, like, I've stopped for the universe. I'm gods for an hour, kind of. Um, and is musing about the fact that somewhere, someone just stepped on a banana peel and is wondering whenever they're going to hit the ground. And K9 kind of bursts his, his bubble and says that actually it's a, a small, it, like a small amount of power, so the effect is actually over a smaller area. So he doesn't have enough power to stop the entire universe. Um, but Lumana says, well, if you have the power of the gods and command it, localize it, tell it where to function. So the doctor um, is more specific and he says, you know, extend the time loop over um, this event and just this and have the coordinates and then Romana says, oh, and the mentalis control room. So they put them all, those two dangers, those two threats in a time loop that is ever stretching, but at least it gives them some time. So Astra is back in the dun in the uh, the cavern area with the shadow. The shadow knows that the doctor and Romana have been forced to use the key each time and it is no longer in the um, safe area of the limbo cabinet that the doctor had described. And he tells Astra he wants her to lure the doctor to her and then gain access to the targets. Now that the segments are more accessible. The doctor and Romana have gone back to the control room to examine Mentalis and Romana says, what a twisted mind that created this, she says. As they are working, we look and behind one of the computer screens is going from 10 to 9 to 8 to 7 now. So Astra um, um, Astra comes upon um, Astra finds and uh, helps Marak. She reaches out to him and helps him through this and and then helps him back. Um, and then the um, Astra and Marak are also um, followed by two of the shadow guards. They come acro across K9 who's being a very good guard dog and asks who she is and Marak says who she is and do the canine detects hostiles behind them and so he goes off and he blasts at the guards and chases them away while Astra is, uh, notices a TARDIS and is obsessed with it and wants to get inside of it and Marak says well only the doctor can get you in there. Canine chases the the guards to the transmat 
and they go in it and it closes and takes them back to the, the shadow planet. When the doors reopen, there is a little black box on the floor, a little computer device emitting a, a very strange high-pitched beeping sound and K-9 talks to it. K-9 says it, it recognizes that it's a galactic distress call, but please identify the source, identify yourself. And he enters the transmat with this little device and is taken away. Mirak uh, catches up with the doctor and Amana introduces Astro to them. The doctor tells uh, them that they should go back to Atreus. She says, close to the doctor, she's, why gather stay with you? And he says, well, I think that Merrick needs to go tend to his patients and you should go back and tell your people that you're safe. <coughs> so he tells her to go back with Merrick to Atreus. And while K9 arrives on the shadow planet, and starts looking around the cavern area of the shadow's lair. Along the way to the transmat, Astra throws Merrick down and goes to leaving and takes two of the um, shadow guards back with her. And uh, Merrick is confused and injured and, and he stumbles into the transmat and uh, goes off the shadow off to himself is laughing. Astra then runs back to the TARDIS and bangs, <clears throat> bangs on the door saying, Doctor, Doctor, help me. And Doctor and Ramana are close by and says, What happened? And where's Merak? He says, Oh, the guards, I thought he was right behind us, but, um, oh, guards that attacked us and they barely, I barely got away. I, I got him to the transmat and sent him to Atreos and then I, I ran here as they chased me. So they all enter the TARDIS and Astra is drawn to and fixated by the key to time and she stands there staring at it. And the doctor notices and says, she asks what it is. She says, that's the key to time. Is it jogging your memories? Do you know what it is? And she says, no, no. It's like, see, it's, there's five segments, and I'm looking for the sixth piece. Do you know anything about that? She still doesn't. As he's talking to her, he leans in and looks and pulls back her collar and sees the controller on her neck. So Ramana has found the coordinates of the third planet, and she sets the coordinates for the shadow planet with the TARDIS and they go to materialize. The shadow sees that they are coming there and he has his, uh, his new best friend, K-9, at his side. And K-9 says, yes, master. And we end. Did K-9 have a little controller on his neck? I didn't see it. But probably. I think he does. Does he really? Yes. I actually. didn't notice it either. I, I think that he does. But you, I don't think we see it. 
and it's a longer shot uh, yeah. farther away, so I don't think we would have seen it. But I think that we do see it later. So, time loopy. Time wasty. Time wasty. No kidding. Well, and another thing, just the way we started was a time waster. Because we didn't start with the, the, doc, the marshal in his ship, the target's been acquired, and, um, you know, fire when ready, or prepare to attack, he says. But that doesn't, that's not where we pick up. We pick up before they even, it seems like before they even know he's coming. However, that's another one of my points. But, um, it's, it's like this happened while he was en route. But yet we ended where he was getting to the planet. So it's like, what? <laughs> um, so that kind of speaks to just being a little bit of filler right there. It's like starting with filler is not a good thing. Um, but I thought that in the doctor's summation, when he talks about the Armageddon factor, um, he says something about the marshal attacking them. Unless he's just meaning that the marshal is probably going to attack. But I thought he said something about they, that the mentalis told them, won't tell them about Astra, but will tell them that, you know, the, the marshal's attacking, but it's programmed for the war to be over, so. Because later on, um, K9 says, reads mentalis and says, Oh, hostile craft approaching. It's like, and K9, or Romanik goes, what? It's like, don't we yeah, already know that? Was, that was kind of silly. I can't believe they did that. I, it, I got the impression that they already knew that. So I'm thinking, how did you not already know that? Unless I misinterpreted that. But my goodness, even before the time loop is is activated, there's this back and forth with the Marshall getting closer. Marshall arming the warheads. Marshall telling the his pilot to go faster. And then to arm the warheads. And then to, oh, not too fast, wait for the order. And then back to the Zeos. And then back to the Marshall is just so much yeah. yeah, especially repeating over and over. Yes, it's back and forth the we, same thing. We got the idea the first couple times. Yeah, we got the idea at the last ep end of the last episode that he's on his way to destroy everyone. And now the machine is wanting to destroy everything. Oh, I thought you were talking about the time loop. No, no, that was even before the time loop. Yeah. And then there's a the time loop. that we have to see repeat like three times. It's like, oh, I think we get it. And then they repeat it again. An, uh, uh, another time we get to see the fire, mm. fire, you know, <laughs> and the countdown, the little computer uh, terminal countdown. It's like the, the only time I really need to see that one again is when it gets to seven instead of eight. Yeah. Because then it's, you know, it's a visual that the time loop is stretching even though we know that it is. It's the evidence that it is stretching. 
Yeah, that alone would have been enough. Yeah, that one I didn't mind. But they really do over overdo with a loop. Trying to think of what else there is to say outside of <laughs> all of the filler that we've had to watch. Right. I'm taking my notes just to roll in my eyes thinking, really? My master's getting closer. Marshall's getting closer. Marshall's getting closer. Um, interesting little prop things I don't know why when he uses a sonic screwdriver they always have to associate it with the flash charge but he uses the sonic screwdriver over the three bolts or whatever it is oh, that's yeah. holding the panel in place for Mentalis and as soon as he does a noise it has to burst a little flash charge and then the third second and then the third one and the doctor like blows on each one like to put out the fire it, he may very well be putting out the fire from the flash charge but it seems unnecessary <laughs> anyway I think we get the, the message that it's opening the locks by the little noise it makes Right. I don't think we need the flash I don't know I think they needed some visual clue so yeah. he knew what he was doing that for. Otherwise, he's just using the screwdriver into nothing. Yeah. Would the sonic device, though, cause a flash explosion? Well, no, but this isn't anything that has any basis in reality. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying. I guess there's not really much else they could do then for a visual. And I guess they just didn't really have a way of making the the flash without the little explosion and smoke. Unless they did just like a light bulb flash. Yeah, but you'd see the light bulb beforehand. Just a light that they switch on just when he does the the sonic screwdriver in front of it when they turn on for a second. Just as something. If you wanted a visual to go with it. Uh, the other thing that you notice is that um, when they see the TARDIS at one point, one of the windows is broken. Actually looking is at it? it again, it's I'm not convinced it's broken. Oh. But one of the window panes has a big, it, part on its corner, it's got like a half circle in black, or a quarter circle in black, over one of the corners of the windows. It's really shadow? bizarre. Is mm -hmm. it the shadow on the inside? Something There's no shadow on, on the rest of the outside around it. If it were inside... Maybe, maybe they found something up on the inside of a blast. Well, and it was the upper... But it was on the door. Yeah, it was one on the, the door. It was the... And it was the... Although the door's the, open in, so we wouldn't have seen the back yeah. side, I guess. But was it the... Three? Three? Or two? Or two on each side of the door, right? 
three Four. and two rows on each side. There's six on each side for the, on six? each door. Okay, so it's a, like the bottom row, the one closest to the door jam, but it's the top right. corner of it. Right. So I was thinking if it were the bottom corner from the door jam across the corner, it could be something or someone behind the door. Mm. But no, it's this is a up. It's a circle yeah. pointing, you know, a quarter up towards the towards the next pane above it. It's weird, but it certainly does look broken. When you mentioned it, I thought, oh, a broken window. Oh yeah, it really does look that way. So it's just a, something to note. So now that I'm, uh, the shadow has, well, he's attempted to get the doctor under his control, and that didn't go very well in the last episode. Um, he has Astro in his control, mm-hmm. close to the marshal, still, and um, now Pier Nine. That's all we've got, though, from this story. Pretty much. There's so much repetitiveness. Oh, and then there's the little device that pulls K-9 into the transmat. Very, very annoying sound. Like if the computer could make the most annoying sound in the world, that'd be right up there. Oh, you want to talk about the use of the title in the episode? Oh, yeah, you said that you didn't think that uh, it was common in the Key to Time episode. I think we hear it in the Pirate Planet. They call Xanic the Pirate Planet. We hear it in Power of Crawl also, don't we? Oh, yeah, they, talk, they say Power of Crawl a lot, actually. Sorry. Androids of Tara. They say it. probably not. Yeah, that's an odd. It's more of a descriptive because the story was about the androids of Tara, so not that one. And then did we hear it in Stones of Blood? I don't think so. Yeah, no, I can't remember it there. They're always called the Travelers or the Sisters or the the Ogre. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anyone ever calls them the Stones of Blood. So half. Because I don't think we hear uh, the actual term libos, libos operation. Don't we? Maybe not. Something's nagging at me that we did though. I don't remember for sure. So it's at least three and three. So still more than you thought. Yes, more than I thought. I just wanted to block out Kroll. It's just such a terrible, huge squid. <laughs> I forgot all about it. <laughs> it's a least favorite, so. 
so I'm not actually liking too much about this one as it turns out. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, I think Kroll is, Tyra Kroll is, is at the bottom of then this one. I don't think so. Well, when Shaq was uh, fending off uh, the, the guard, I, I heard your reaction to it. A little too much slapstick and over-the-top oh, comedy yeah. reaction. Yeah. Let's see. Especially when he falls onto his back and he's holding the gun upright on his chest. Yes, I did mention that. Really? Yes, I could tell from your sigh that the sigh was accompanied by a rolling of the eyes and a really yes, it was thought in your head. Yeah. Why do they do that? I don't know. For the five-year-olds, I don't know. I'm not sure even the five-year-olds were amused by that. No, I think that at this point they're trying to be involved in the story and they're underlining pay, it. Yeah, pay attention to what's going on and that just takes you right out of it. Mm-hmm. It's different that the, from it's it's not as effective as the, the little uh, humorous touches that Shap had in like the last episode. Or even uh, maybe the one before it, a couple little funny things of just how scared he was about something, or when the doctor holds his dog whistle out for Shap to blow on. <laughs> right. It still was, make me laugh a little bit. Yeah, which isn't really isn't those aren't really slapstick things, um, and maybe that's why they're more effective than this was. You know, mm, falling yeah. and then yeah not letting go of the this little like his ever ready flash gun yeah um yeah there, there was that that was kind of it's like really trying to to find some story in all this filler and then that happens and it's like okay I'm, I'm done <laughs> right now. Yep. And we had to mention Merrick. The trap he fall he falls in. What yeah. is that supposed to be? When um when Astra comes meets up with the doctor and Mana and says, Oh, you know, well how'd you get here? She goes, oh I escaped. How'd you do that? That's through a tunnel of light. And I saw her heard Merrick calling and so I you know I helped him up or helped him out really a tunnel of light I think that was well tunnel of darkness that he fell into uh, I I think the tunnel of light was supposed to be the transmat maybe yeah except that she didn't go into the transmat to get to where they were Uh, she went into the transmat with she was taken there but she was unconscious at the time Right. But she had to get from the third planet. 
like from the shadow planet. Oh, that's true. To Zeos. You're right. I, for, I forgot they're not on Zeos. Yeah. She and Shadow. Right. Which is a dumb name for a villain, given the radio character. I know. I keep wanting to... I keep thinking, I say the shadow, and I keep thinking in my head, the shadow knows. I didn't really listen to those, but I know of, I've heard the reference enough that I know of them. And uh, my dad did. He would always talk about that one. That one in Inner Sanctum. He liked Inner Sanctum, too. Um, But yeah, I've got that in my head every time I say the name, the shadow. Um, Yeah, that was really not... Again, it was just kind of a, a weird thing that just took me out of any story I was I was finding at the time. Just threw it all away. <laughs> and then there's the projection to start with of her, mm-hmm. which I guess I could we could explain it away to some type of powers that the shadow has but she's real enough after that yeah so it it doesn't really fly either yeah I'm not sure what was going on there I do kind of like the part where the um, where they discover that they can make a sixth segment to try to utilize some of his power. Mm-hmm. That was quite ingenious and a, a nice little turn to put in there. The doctor makes this piece because he's got the negative space right there to know what it's supposed to um, be shaped like. So, very good eye there. <laughs> Figure that out. Um, yeah, because it doesn't look like a cube with a chunk out of it at all. For him to guess what it should look like. <laughs> well, I meant the, I meant the shape of the sixth piece. If That's what like, I mean. Oh well. It's fairly obvious it's going to be a cube when it's all said and done. Well, yeah, but I mean he's put the five pieces together, so he just knows exactly how the other piece would look. You know, if he just had them all separated, you wouldn't. Yeah, it's you could probably still tell they're going to form a cube. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't, you would have, it's, it's easiest to put them all together to find out what that third, sh- that sixth shape would be. But I think that was a kind of a nice little thing. If you're going to have some filler and not a whole lot of action, that was at least an interesting um, part to the story. So at least yeah. until you hear the sixth segment squeak because it's made of styrofoam. Oh, That was a little... That let down the side a little bit. Mm-hmm. Styrofoam covered with foil. Or at least flaky silver paint. Yeah, or... Because it didn't yeah, want to stick to the styrofoam very well. True. Aluminium paint? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I didn't hear it squeaking probably because I was writing. Oh, when Romano was putting the piece in place, you didn't hear it squeaking? Oh, oh sorry. Yes, I did hear that. I guess I just get used to the sound of styrofoam on Doctor Who. Yeah, well, you hear enough <laughs> of it, I suppose. Huh? You hear enough of it, I suppose. Uh-huh. 
when they're trying to move heavy boulders out of the way or, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. You get used to hearing the squeak, I think. Desensitized to the styrofoam squeak. Mm-hmm. So our, I guess our ending, our cliffhanger mm-hmm. ending. There's not really as much cliffhanger as just a, a place. An to annoying laugh. A place to end with the annoying, kind of booming, echoey, kind of gravelly laugh that the shadow has. Mm-hmm. And his new best friend, canine. Yeah. I suppose the cliffhanger is actually canine. Yeah. The shadow sitting on his little rocky looking days and, uh, like he's got his little his little dog at his feet and he kind of reaches <laughs> out to him and pats canine says oh the doctor and the mom are on their way here we'll, we'll get them when they get here affirmative master it's affirmative wait for master So it, you know, it's it's a well enough place to end. Yeah, I wasn't really wasn't sure where they were gonna go with that. It's like, okay, well, when are they gonna stop this? And then it's like, oh, I thought it might be that canine got to the shadow planet, but then they showed him zooming around, looking around at the play. What if this is not Atreus? This is not Dios? And he motors around a little bit. Exploring the new set. Again, more filler. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, oh yeah. And now he's he's uh, under the control, so I guess that's a good enough place to stop. Yep. Okay. We worried. No. Good cliffhanger. It's intriguing, uh, but. Hardly worried. No. But right, it's intriguing to find out just where are they going to go from here now, you know? Looks like the next one is on the shadow planet. Like you said, two on Atrios, two yep. on Zeos. Apparently two on the third planet. what we will do tomorrow when we talk about episode 5 of the Armageddon Factor. Almost done. Yay. Very busy time. So join us then and thank you for listening. <laughs>